Welcome to Beyond the Frontline Lessons from Healthcare Leaders podcast. This season, we are discussing the realities of healthcare leadership during a crisis. We are your hosts, Dr. Linya Yang and Dr. Shanita Johnson. Let's dive in. We're so excited to have Dr. Saman Rafek here with us. Dr. Rafek is currently the Senior Director of Clinical Development of Lung Cancer Initiatives at Johnson & Johnson. He's also a Clinical Associate Professor of Medicine at the NYU Grossman School of Medicine and an Interventional Pulmonary Faculty at NYU Langone Health. He's also held multiple previous leadership including being the director of the Interventional Pulmonary Fellowship and Associate Program Director of the Internal Medicine Residency Program at Stewart St. Elizabeth's Medical Center in Boston. He was also the Clinical Associate Professor of Medicine and Cardiothoracic Surgery at NYU Langone Health, Section Chief of Interventional Pulmonology at NYU, Associate Section Chief of Pulmonary Critical Care and Sleep Medicine at NYU Langone Health and Associate Section Chief of Pulmonary Critical Care and Sleep Medicine at NYU Langone Health. Welcome, Dr. Rafek. Thank you. You had a most interesting time at the beginning of COVID. You were certainly on the front lines as we began to experience the pandemic here in the United States. And we know that New York really was suffering the brunt of the COVID pandemic very early on. And you were certainly leading that charge as a physician, as an internet interventional pulmonologist. Could you describe a little bit what it was like facing an unknown illness so early in the pandemic? It was a mix of feelings uh, that is, you know, hard to put together in, uh, in words, you feel. Uh, it, it was uh, difficult times for everyone. And there was uh, the sense of, disbelieve at first of what we and the rest of the world was going through at the time. And it felt as if you're watching clips from a a fiction movie or a TV series. And suddenly it became apparent that it's real life and uh, uh, things had to be done. There was uh, a lot of uh, fear uh, amongst people, not only fear for uh, you know, ourselves, but for our families and for our patients that we were taking care of. Uh, there was this uh, adrenaline rush, if you will, to try to get things done and uh, get to action. And I think that's what drove the vast majority of us uh, uh, to take this up as a mission, so to speak, uh, from the beginning. And uh, I think people did not realize it at the time, but came to realize it later that there was also a lot of uh, resilience that people uh, exhibited during that time. So it, it's a, a roller coaster of emotions that uh, we went through. And again, you know, not only from the inside of a healthcare system or a medical center, but on the outside, but certainly exhibited the most when you're seeing people. Uh, coming in with, uh, as you described, you know, this uh, unidentified or poorly characterized illness and trying to get things done and get it done fast and and right and uh, in a safe way for for us and for our patients. So you are 
in the role of the leader of this team. So how did you educate your team and organize your team to meet this challenge? There was a lot of um, discussions at multiple levels, uh, not only at the smaller team level, but all the way up to uh, leadership of medical center and uh, organization as a whole. And people had to be aligned together on a course of action. And that started from the top and disseminated all the way down. So when it came to uh, our core team, uh, we had then to organize and prioritize. We first started by assessing each person on the team and what he or she can contribute to during uh, the crisis. And some of what actually played into that decision-making was the level of risk for each individual uh, being in a certain uh, uh, position or uh, certain expectations during that time. So we had to uh, divide amongst ourselves what uh, each person would have to do. And um, that then got integrated into the broader plan from uh, our division and hospital leadership and and uh, the broader healthcare system. Uh, but there had to be a lot of uh, um, organization, which was the, the key um, task uh, to be done at the time. And there were a lot of uh, people that either volunteered to come in or um, had actually, you know, been uh, brought as uh, members to the team due to a change in practice, uh, due to uh, putting a hold on elective surgeries and such. So there was a lot of uh, people from different uh, teams and different specialties that blended together and became part of that broader team. So uh, a lot of organization was necessary and, you know, again, excitement or feeling the urge to, um, to do something alone is not enough. Uh, you needed uh, people uh, that would uh, direct that, a quarterback, so to speak. And uh, that's what we tried to do. So we tried to organize that within the smaller team and, and take that up to the broader team in general. So organization was the critical point. I hear a lot of organization. I also hear a lot of bravery. And I know we talked a lot about that during the time that this was it was scary to be on the front line but despite that many including yourself really stepped up and to, for that we are truly indebted but in addition to organization bravery resilience what other skills do you think were helpful in making this a success that helped your team really to face these challenges? So you had to definitely prioritize when you're faced with uh, critical illness all around. And that's what the hospital ended up being. It was a, a single disease uh, hospital for a period of a few weeks. And half of those people were classified as critically ill patients. And even within that category, you had to prioritize, you know, what to do first and um, how to go about uh, doing that. So there was certainly uh, uh, a need to sit down every day at the beginning of the day and um, prioritize the day and, and how you go about performing those tasks. Uh, there was a need to regroup uh, at the end of the day to learn from 
um, successes and uh, from failures and mistakes, and, and certainly a lot were made at the time. So there was a need for um, review, constant review uh, of the process, and there was a need for agility. You had to really adjust on the go, and you had to change course based on um, what came next. So there was very little, if any, time to um, sit down and be able to plan um, a couple of days ahead or even a couple of hours ahead. So you had to uh, to be able to adjust uh, to the course as it uh, changed rapidly throughout the uh, throughout the the day. So those are, uh, I would say, many of the um, skills and many of the uh, important points that were necessary to um, to get things done and get it done as effectively as possible given the circumstances. You mentioned looking back and making changes on the go, on the spot, really. Um, now that you've had some time, I know we're still in the pandemic, but now that you've had some time away from that first few weeks of the pandemic, when we really didn't know anything, and you really were who we were relying on across the country, we were looking to see how New York responded to this challenge. And you put in so many things and you implemented so much that has helped the rest of the country. Was there anything that now you look back retrospectively and you wish you had known or you would have changed or done differently? That's a great question. And um, <clears throat> I would emphasize the term retrospectively. It's always easy to look in the back mirror and, and uh, um, see what uh, changes you'd be able to make if uh, given the opportunity. And I think from... Um, a practice perspective, we certainly uh, came to know that at the time, many of the critically ill patients were quick to be put on uh, um, respirators and mechanical ventilation uh, due to multiple factors, uh, some of which included uh, uh, risk to uh, people providing care at the time and risk of transmission of virus to, to other people. So wanting to keep things as uh, closed circuit, if you will, as possible, uh, we came to realize later that uh, many of those patients uh, might have actually benefited from less invasive means of, of support, um, especially delivering oxygen support. And um, some of that, uh, you know, aggressive support might actually have uh, um, affected matters uh, somewhat negatively. Uh, but again, given the, uh, you know, the the broad um, scope of uh, the disaster that was unfolding at the time, um, you know, people had to do what was uh, necessary. But um, I would say, you know, going back to really the basics of practicing critical care medicine in its uh, most evidence-based manner. So those are things that we certainly learned, and I think it uh, um, it came into practice then in subsequent waves of uh, the pandemic, um, which um, um, affected outcomes positively. Um, another thing um, that was, um, you know, not related directly to clinical care, but rather to 
um, the social support that patients and their families had. Um, I think looking back, you know, many, many patients did not, or families did not have the chance to um, even say goodbye to those unfortunate who succumbed to their disease. Uh, many were um, offered uh, a look through an iPad or an iPhone that was brought in by a healthcare provider into the room. And I think, you know, that deprived uh, uh, many grieving families from um, spending those last moments with their loved ones. So looking back in retrospect, you know, I think probably allowing family members or a family member in a, uh, you know, safe matter, giving them the, the gear that is uh, necessary to keep them safe and at least just to be able to say their final goodbyes um, um, would uh, probably have made a lot of difference uh, um, uh, for those families and, and everyone that was affected by um, uh, the unfortunate outcome for, for many of these patients. Well, thank you so much for sharing your experiences, um, especially coming from the front lines. Join us next week for part two of our podcast with Dr. Rafiq. Thank you for joining us on this podcast, Beyond the Frontline Lessons from Healthcare Leaders. Please like, share, and subscribe. If you like this episode, please leave us a five-star review. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Health Leadership Brain Trust and let us know if you have any topics that you would like to hear about on future podcasts. See you next episode.